0: Welcome to Down and Out in America with the outlaw Michael Thompson, and today I have a very special guest named Lisa, and Lisa works and does stuff with uh, a lot of different people from what I saw on Facebook, but let me introduce Lisa, and uh, Lisa, thank you for joining Down and Out in America.
1: Thank you for asking me. I appreciate that.
0: Lisa tell um us a little bit about yourself and what you do and uh why you do it
1: so um my name's Lisa Moore. I live in Reno, Nevada, and I have uh twenty different homes with different programs and work a lot with prison reentry um homeless veterans <clears throat> all walks of life when it comes to, um, addiction and homelessness. Um, I've been, I've had this going since 2010 and now we have, like I said, the 20 different homes, um, an outreach program downtown. And I started this because I myself at a very young age struggled with addiction. When I, when I was around 10 years old, I started drinking. And then by 13, I was, I ran away from home and, I got involved in drugs and so, of course, I've been almost 19 years clean and um, I decided to do this in 2010 because I feel like um, back then nobody worked together as a community as in a whole. Everyone was always trying to compete against each other, so no, nobody was really helping anybody. They were all just trying to compete for the money. Um, so every year I try and do something in the community that's going to... Um, fill the gap that's missing, and so I'm always trying to do something different each year to to add to to our community here in Nevada.
0: Well, it's kind of interesting that you're in Reno, Nevada. I don't, I didn't even realize that when I started talking to you. Because it's funny, we just moved from Reno, Nevada, in 2020, and I lived there twice. Uh, five years last time in Verde, Nevada, and then uh, we lived in a little place outside of Fernley called Silver Springs uh but i actually worked um in Nevada at a couple of different casinos um, which i'm you're probably familiar with is the Circus Circus and Silver Legacy and uh Boomtown and Atlantis uh, casinos um i was one of the supervisors and uh worked in the sports books there uh, so it's kind of interesting. I, I have not even realized that you were from Reno. And another interesting thing I want to tell you, is, and and being that you're from Reno, is that I don't know if you've heard of a young lady named Yvonne uh, Finland. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, Yvonne and I, um, a few years ago, I, I don't remember exactly how long ago. It's been a little bit for me. Um, but Yvonne came up and uh, we actually produced – um, a show in Reno uh, before I did down and out in America called down and out in Reno, Nevada. And wow. so it's kind of interesting to me. So I have a little bit of experience uh, with Reno, Nevada. Uh, so I guess one of the questions I have to tell you, and I know this from experience because we did, well, I did this series a long time ago, but since I did, I've done the series and since I moved from Reno, Nevada, I know, the population in Reno, Nevada, and Sparks and around that area has grown immensely. Do you know, like, off the top of your head, what would be, like, the estimated number of homeless people in Reno, uh, Sparks, Nevada area?
1: Oh, my gosh, it's went up so much every year. I don't know what that number would be right now. I know that they spent all that money on the um, homeless encampment, downtown, you know, off of 4th Street, and uh, that it hasn't really helped anything. They have resources to go there, but I feel like every year it's getting bigger and bigger, our homeless population.
0: Now, 100%. let me ask you another question, then. What a lot of people, and I, I, I this is why I really wanted you on the show, is um because you have a lot more experience than this than I do but I've done a couple of live interviews with some people that are on the streets and stuff and you guys can uh, find that on down and out in America on YouTube or if you guys go to my webpage tom sick com uh, you guys can click to my I don't know if my I have it clicked to my YouTube I think I have it clicked to my podcast channel uh, but in my series of down and out in America I've already done a couple different interviews Uh, with People that were actually on the streets and um, living on the streets, uh, which was really interesting. And when I was in Reno and I I did down and out in Reno, uh, Nevada, I also did some interviews on that series. And I believe that series is still on YouTube as well. But here's my question for you. We're in 2024 now. And like I said, I'm sure I could probably look it up, but I don't know the estimated uh, number of homeless. But what is some of the biggest problems what what in your opinion do you see that brings people mostly to being homeless
1: i feel like the most the, re, the reason why a majority of them are homeless is because we have um, more and more people are are using drugs that are making them mentally ill and for them to to be stable enough to even realize where resources are That's not happening unless you handhold them to a facility to get on psych meds, to get the voices to stop on all the people that are out there talking to themselves. It's not going to happen because we just don't have the resources. Many years ago, I remember I used to work downtown and um, I remember that whenever we had someone that was mentally ill hearing voices, the police would always take them down to the NAMS campus and would get them resources and, and medication. Well, now we don't have that. I mean, we have the NAMS campus, but we don't have that interaction, the hand-holding. And so now they send them to the jail to get them stable if they commit a crime. And if they don't, they're just wandering our streets. So it's really, really hard right now. They're talking about um, trying to open up more resources for the mentally challenged. But um, like I said, unless you have somebody that you would have like a court order over to make them take meds and get stable. They're really not going to want to take it. You
0: know? Right. And I, I know for this, I I've actually discovered this. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because the couple people I've interviewed um, that I have found become homeless had criminal backgrounds, uh, had some kind of drug and alcohol um, background or involvement with drugs and alcohol. And also a big one that I saw in there and, and not classifying everyone under this, but a lot of them came from broken homes, foster homes or abused homes in the past. Do you find something similar in your experience or no?
1: Oh yeah. I, I, the, same, this, the majority of our homeless are people that have been in trouble before or people. You do have that small amount of um, homeless that I feel um, – Really bad for, it. and that is okay. So, you have an individual that's, that's getting disability. The disability that they get in Nevada is around $7.95 a month, a little bit over that sometimes. Sometimes they'll get a thousand up to a thousand. You can't survive. All the housing is going up, but yet they haven't given them, they haven't made it to where their income is going up to the same. So the people that are getting disability, they can't live in a place. So if they're homeless, they have the ability to pay for two weeks at a, at, a, uh, at a hotel or at a weekly, and then the rest of the time they're on the streets. A lot of them do have a criminal background. A lot of them do have a, a drug addiction. But you do have that very few that just don't. And they, they, there's no way they can survive in our, in our town now because everything is skyrocketing and the housing market is going up so high. So it's hard, you know. You have such so many different walks of life out here that are homeless, but um, and we can't hit the mark on trying to help them because all the weeklies are getting shut down, and they're building all these big apartments with, you know, because everything's going up over here now. So you're going to get a one bedroom that's going to be twelve hundred dollars or more. No one can survive on that. That's getting disability. You know, the list goes on. It's it's sad.
0: Yeah, I know in Reno, Nevada, because like I said, uh, we moved out here to Missouri in 2020, and I I lived in Verde, Nevada, uh, which is a little town you probably know. It's it's more towards the west, just outside or about 15 miles outside of Reno. There, um, out towards um, Lake Tahoe, and going out uh, the freeway there. But as as we came out here, uh, you know, the COVID nineteen was starting. And the gas prices were like skyrocketing, but I know this from Reno myself and I've I've written um, multiple blogs on this from Reno, Nevada, when I lived there too, about the cost of living in Reno, Nevada itself. And like you said, uh, the cost of living, the cost of food, the cost of gas, all that stuff is rising now. I I don't know... um, in reno nevada it's a little bit different too because you still have a bit of a gaming community there and i do know this from working in the casinos that a lot of the jobs there um still are based on tips and not like on an hourly wage um, what is the minimum wage in nevada now oh my lord i think
1: it's 15.
0: yeah i, I don't remember what it was I, I know it was going up um but I do know this about Nevada too and I'll ask you about this so when how hard and I, I've asked some of the people too, and I'll, I'll ask you this how hard is it when you when you become homeless, how hard is it to get back on your feet? I mean it's just not an easy step process if you become homeless somehow, I mean even if let's just say it's someone that is not involved in the drugs, let's say it's someone that's you know um, had a job their maybe their job ended you know, just bad series of events. They don't really do drugs, don't have a criminal background. If they become homeless, how hard is it just for that person to recover, to get back to where they were and not be homeless? So
1: one thing that we're doing um, is we have a program for the the veterans, the homeless veterans. And so that's a good um, question because I can... The homeless veterans, a lot of them don't suffer from addictions as much under certain circumstances they found themselves homeless you know some from a simple divorce or some from you know just bad luck and so um, so with them it's been a quite the process I mean um, they have DDT 14s they have and that's where they're available to get houses or they're available to get apartments um, and they still can't afford to do that. And some of them have pensions because they served our country. And so what we're struggling with is because um, we'll go to the city and we'll ask the city to please help them. And sometimes they'll help them with a hud bash. And that means they'll help them get on their feet um, for up to a year, depending on how much they're struggling. And, and they'll, pay, they'll help pay for a place for them for up to a year at a discounted rate. However, we still have long waiting lists to get in anywhere. So let's say this poor homeless man, he I'm, I've had to, some guys wait almost six months to get into a place. And so we, of course, give them a place to rest their head. But the waiting lists are long, they're very expensive, and they're very limited in our community to whosoever, only certain apartments will be able to do that. Because a lot of them are like, "Why would I give a discounted rate when I can get m- big money for this apartment?" you know, so you kind of like got to balance it out and there's not many apartments now that will that will help people
0: right and I know another thing i i when I was in uh, Reno and I don't know about the a lot of because the first time um we came to Reno we actually um I worked at the the MGM Oaten, the Hilton there, which is no longer the Hilton. I forgot what it's called there now. But um, anyway, we had to stay in like a little hotel. I remember it was like on South Virginia street and it was weekly hotels, like you said, but at that time, you know, stuff wasn't skyrocketing and, and stuff. And I know um, when I drove through Reno this last time, uh, cause we drove out in Reno about in, 2000. Well, we just were out there actually uh, last year because we took a trip out to Oregon. We drove through and said hi to some friends and stuff. And I have a lot of people that I know that live in Reno, Nevada because I have a lot of friends and stuff that live there still. Um, but like, talk about the shelters and stuff like that because, okay, like Missouri here, um, we have very, you, you know, we have basically all four seasons here. We're kind of coming out of our winter months, but it gets very cold here and a lot of people even they think about Reno and then they think Nevada, but they don't realize that we're on the edge of the Sierra mountains in Nevada. And it gets very cold there. I mean, living in Verde, I, I used to get like five, six, seven feet of snow up there. And I wasn't, like I said, only 15 miles outside of Reno, Nevada. So like, what about like, um, you know, you're talking about shelters and stuff like that. How does, how does that, how do the shelters and stuff help the homeless and and how is how does that work in in your area
1: well the shelter is absolutely beautiful it has so many resources it has even a warm up center where they can come and take a nap they have places they can do their laundry they this is probably one of the best shelters that i've seen you know when i research shelters um they have so many different resources available to them, but a lot of the homeless are like taking a stand and not wanting to go in there.
0: Wh- uh, why is what that? that?
1: Well, some of them say, no, I don't want to go back in there because people are, um, they want to do what they want to do. If they want to continue to use drugs, you know, they don't want to be policed. There is um, certain people that just want to live off the grid. I can't see You know how they do it? Because, man, I'm telling you what, it's freezing outside. But they have so many resources that they go, like they have blankets and everything else, and they all are lined up all along the railroad tracks. I always go down there and see if they need anything. Um, I always ask them, how come you don't go to the um, campus? And a lot of the girls are like, I don't want to go down there. It's dangerous. But it's just as dangerous on the streets as it is for you at the campus. You know, I don't know. I think that we have a, a very beautiful thing going on over there at the campus where they can just walk in and get mental health. They can get doctor's appointments. They can get on Medicaid. They can wash their clothes. I think a lot of them utilize those resources at the campus, but they don't stay the night there.
0: Right. I know one of the things, um, when I was there last time and I was doing down in Reno, um, was we were walking along the Truckee River. Now, there's a, there's a long path along the Truckee River that goes downtown, and it goes uh, into Sparks, Nevada, which is the the sister town to Reno, if you guys don't know that. But on this trail, when we were down there, there used to be tents all over this trail, and I, I do know the city uh, started cracking down on some of the tents on the rivers and stuff like that. And there was also a street. I don't remember which street it was, but they used to have tents all up and down that street. And some of the parks and stuff like that, you can go around and see tents and stuff like that. Do you see still see a lot of that around in the Reno Nevada area?
1: Yeah, so the Reno area, yes, Sparks, the mayor of Sparks has made it to where no one can be over by the river or anything anymore. They have to be a thousand feet. Um, a thousand feet from the river and stuff. And then also they just made it to a city ordinance to where Washoe County and the other counties have made it to where no one can live in their car anymore. Um, They're starting to enforce a lot of rules and um, regulations for the homeless population because I feel like um, the things, all the trash that they're leaving behind and the stuff that they're doing, finally the cities are getting tired of it especially when they have so many resources available to them.
0: Well, that's been another big problem. And I'm I'm kind of glad you mentioned the trash now. That's that, that's actually one of the issues I have um, with, with some of the homeless, especially even here in Springfield, Missouri. Um, you know, they build these camps and everything. It's not that I care that they have the camps. It's not that I care that they're out there in the tents and stuff like that because, you know, obviously they need somewhere to stay. They need the shelter and stuff like that. But what often happens, and, and you, you hit it right on the head, is that even here, and I, I know this happens in, not just in Reno, Nevada. I've heard this happening in other places because I saw a show where in Hawaii they were talking about this. The encampments get so big, and then the people there are just throwing their trash and everything. In, and what they start doing here in Springfield is uh, they would see these encampments, and they would, because there's a lot of wooded areas out here in Springfield, not unlike in Nevada, but they would. The trash and everything would build up from these. And so what they did is they tried to build an area that they could safely go. And there's now here in Springfield, Nevada, there's – I mean Springfield, Nevada, Springfield, Missouri, there's quite a few places. Like we – a few blocks from my house down here, there's a place called Route 66. It's all fenced off. They have um, places that they can – like little trailers and small houses that they can stay in. Um, which is really cool. Do they offer anything like that in Reno, Nevada at all?
1: So they do have Hope Springs here. Those are tiny homes that people can stay in, and they can stay up there up to four months there. People are loving that, and and it seems to be a very smooth process. They have their own little tiny home. They get to stay in, save money, and then move on. And what I did see also, because I have an outreach center on 4th Street, um, there's a street called uh, Park Street. And if you go down park street, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, you see each, each person has their own little tent and their own little square, a homeless, like they're just, they have their own little square. And what was cool is that they would say, I'm in, I'm in square number one. I was like, okay, well that's new to me. So they all have made their own little squares and they've kept it so clean there. They even made arrangements for the trash to be picked up every single Thursday. So now waste management has made it a point to come there and pick up trash, which I thought was really cool. They do that on their own. And so it helps, they, they all keep it very clean and they always say, hey, we're got to get our trash out. And they always put their trash bags over by the railroad tracks.
0: Huh, That is pretty cool. Is that, that like, through, they just, the homeless people did that on themselves, like a little homeless community or the city?
1: I guess the city took it and said, hey, we're going to just start doing this for them. That way they'll start cleaning up their area, you know. And they do come through and they do kick them all out. Like, there's a girl that got killed over there by the railroad tracks because they're all their homeless camps and stuff. So they do come through and clean them all out and say, you guys can't be here. And then they end up coming back again, you know.
0: Right. And now, because Reno is like really seasonal, is there um, more homeless people like in the warmer weather than the winter months there?
1: Oh, yeah. I can definitely tell because with all our sober living and all of our halfway houses, you can tell when the weather gets warm, nobody – really comes into the programs but when the weather is cold everybody wants to change their life and come in and have a warm place to to rest their head and you know I'll tell you about 3 years ago I I was like man it's the hardest thing it's not too hard to show people resources and how to come, get off drugs and how to get stable and all that stuff the hardest thing nowadays for the younger generation is for them to not want to be homeless. Some of them like, not all of them. Now, a majority that I was seeing, a lot of them like to be homeless, living off the grid and doing the things that they want to do without anybody telling them what to do. And I learned that like three years ago. I was like, you have a beautiful life. You can rest your head. And there were so many people was like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to be able to do my own thing.
0: Oh, well, that's Hi. another thing. And, and, um, like I said, I'll have to send you some of the, um, stuff we did on down and out in Reno. It was, it was really, um, educational when I did it. And like I said, but it's been a few years, so I don't know how relative to today it would be. Um, but one of the things we found when we did down and out in Reno, and I was going to allude this to you too, is we found out, we'd actually did a couple stings on people that were panhandling in Reno. So it was, um, can't remember the street that it was on at this time, but there was a shopping center. Um, it was where the um, Amazon uh, Walmart food stores is. Uh, what, I forgot what they call it because we don't have one here, uh, like Food Market or whatever it's called. Anyway, there was a big shopping center there, and there was some, some, a guy and some people panhandling, and they were out in a wheelchair, and they were panhandling on the street, And anyway, we we went and put some hidden cameras and stuff in there and um, where they had their little encampment behind the business because it was closed and stuff at that time. Anyway, we videotaped them on this encampment and, uh, you know, basically the whole wheelchair act was fake. Uh, They were riding around bikes, you know, and, and they had like all this expensive stuff behind the store. So... What on, on that aspect? Because there's there's no laws against panhandling or anything like that, um, but I know a lot of places are starting to get strict on that as well. Is there is there issues with that? And do you feel that the panhandling maybe adds a little bit to the homeless?
1: Oh, it definitely does. They make a very good income. In fact, um, a lot of the people, the ambassadors that run the streets down here, they have this thing called the ambassadors. Did you, did you ever get to know them when you were here?
0: Um, I don't know if that – I don't remember that.
1: The ambassadors, um, all the businesses downtown decided to come up with a um, – they're going to all pay ambassadors a certain amount of money in order for them to keep their area clean. So that means that let's say that you had a little business downtown and you would pay $20 a month and the ambassadors always go through downtown and all those down businesses and they they clean the streets and they say, you guys can't be here. You can't be sitting in front of this business. And they just tell them they can't be there, right? So one of the things that they used to always tell us is don't give them money. Please don't give them money. They have so much food and and resources, and they make a lot of money when they sit in front of the Walmart or um, at the freeway entrance or whatever. Don't give them money. Please. If they're hungry, they know where to go, you know. Um, And please, I used to remember, they used to tell us, please, please, please do not go to the homeless encampments and drop off clothes. Because all it is is something that we're going to have to pick up afterwards when they move their camp. A lot of times they they keep so much because it's something that they can call ownership on. So even when they don't need it, they'll take it. And then a lot of times when they get kicked out, that's the stuff that they leave behind. So they're always enforcing that around here. They also will not let panhandling. If they see you panhandling, they'll tell you to move and they don't really arrest you on it. But you're not allowed to do it, but they will tell you to move and they still do it. But they do make good money.
0: Uh, from my understanding, and, and I'll I go back to the, the comment you just made about the panhandling because I, I did a lot of research on this. Now, I do know that there was a Supreme Court ruling on the panhandling. Uh, it's actually not illegal to panhandle, but they can arrest them if they're like on private property or if a business or a company uh, asks them to move. Is that correct?
1: Yes, they can ask them to move. Exactly. That is correct.
0: Right. So these ambassadors are they? Are they empowered to do anything? Like are they? Uh, I know you're saying the business hires, and it's kind of an interesting idea. Are they like? A, how do they enforce it though? Or are they able to like? Do they still have to ha- call the police to have them removed or have them arrested or? Are they issue them a citation? I mean, how do, how does that work?
1: So the the cool thing about the ambassadors is that at first, the very first year that they ever started doing it. They had so many people trying to fight them, you know, like fist fight them or throwing things at them. You can't kick us out of here. And now they can. not Now that they know them and they know they're wearing the blue shirts, they do not fight them back on it. A lot of them know, hey, come on, you got to get up. You can't be sitting here. And they'll say, yes, I can. And they'll say, no, you cannot. And don't, don't, please don't have me call the police because the police will enforce that. They know that the businesses are paying for everybody to keep their area clear from all um, panhandling and homeless. And so they have a certain area, and then they know that they have to stay out of that area. They've been enforcing it now for at least, I want to say, three to four years. So they they all know them by their names, and they all know that they got to leave when they come up. And so it's kind of cool that they built this um friendship because they never came at them um offensively they would just come at them and say okay frank it's time for you to get up you know you can't be here today do you want me to go get you some food do you want to go down and eat some food at the shelter how can i help you today and then they were nice about it and then they moved them so it's all it's a pretty cool thing they have going on here with the ambassadors
0: right and i do know that because i know there was a a I don't remember if it was a veteran or just homeless place uh, right downtown. I want to believe it it was uh, my friend Ray used to actually work there. I can't remember Ray's last. He's long gone, passed away. But we used to bring a lot of food and stuff down to the shelter and eggs and stuff like that. Because at the time, we had a farm out in Verde, So we would take like all of our extra eggs from our animals and stuff like that. And any extra fruits or vegetables uh, down to him. And he would cook like these fabulous meals and stuff down there for all the the people there. Yeah. um, You know, I I guess, you know, in, in talking to you, I, I I really appreciate you coming on and and expressing and and making people understand that, you know, it's not always the best idea And, and it happens. There's a lot of panhandling where I live at right now too, especially in the warmer months. Um, you see almost someone standing on almost every corner, everywhere you go with a sign or something like that. And, you know, I wish more people would not, like you said, give them money out there and would not, um, because it just encourages them to do it more. And, and some of these people, you know, have learned how to work the system. And so they, they work it to their advantage to stay homeless as well. You know, they just go out and make so much money over the summer or the winter, you know, and then hibernate in the winter or whatever. But it is kind of interesting what you're saying. Now, what about like, I know you're saying in Nevada, what about like on state level or uh, federal level? Um, what about programs helping in there?
1: I don't, well, we don't really get much on the federal side of it, but I know we get lots of help with the state. I know that, Um, and, and the good thing that I would tell people all the time is if you're going to give somebody something, if you want to do a good deed for the day, then maybe drop off some sandwiches or make, you know, like I used to drop off sandwiches every once in a while and I used to tell them don't throw the paper all over the ground, please just throw it away in the trash or, you know, maybe offer them a side job if they look like they're trustworthy or give them resources, a list of resources if they're not understanding that. But as far as um, the state, the state here does a lot for individuals, but they don't really um, take to getting those resources unless they're down and out and unless they're in trouble or unless they're, they, um, they have to. And as far as the federal go, I don't really know much information on the federal side of it. I just know on the
0: state. Well, let me ask you one last question. I don't want to take up too much of your time today, but um, since you do work for a program there, if anybody was interested in donating uh, anything to you, is there a way that they could contact someone there um, or do you have like a website or uh, anything like that that you could relate to anyone that was listening?
1: Oh yes, absolutely. So our website is life changes Inc. That's life changes, I N C dot solutions. And there's um, all kinds of stuff on there. There's all about our program. There's a donate button. There's an application on there in case if someone happens to know someone here in the Reno area or sparks area they can apply and we would love to be able to help them if they need help um and everything's pretty much on that website as far as a contact person i'm usually because i'm the ceo but i also like to help as much as i possibly can so if anyone wants to know resources or anything or has any questions they can reach me personally at 775-685-8145
0: well lisa i really appreciate you coming on and taking the time with me to talk about down and out in America and like I said I will be uh, I'll send you a link to it when I get it posted up edited and everything um, it will be live on down and out in America my series on YouTube and you guys can also find it on mtomsick.com I just want to say really thank you for taking the time and um, talking to me about this subject I found it really interesting and educational and I hope uh, some of my listeners out there and people that are checking out my series will also find it. Uh, educational. So I just want to say thank you very much for joining us here today.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Michael. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, you have a great evening.
1: You too.